If you're tuning into this podcast, it shows you care a great deal about your child's health. So I want to share with you my video course on nutrient supplementation for children that I just published on udemy.com. If you check the description of this episode for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list, as soon as you sign up, I'm going to send you a voucher so that you can get this video course for free. And in the course, I'm going to discuss the most important supplements for children and how to pick quality supplements, how to avoid poor quality ingredients, how to avoid potentially harmful extra ingredients, and basically how to steer clear of the marketing ploys designed to sell us inferior quality supplements. So I hope that you get value out of this course. I'm sure that if you apply the knowledge you learn in it, you will save not just time researching these supplements, but also money. And most importantly, you will get the best quality supplements that your budget will allow so that you can provide your child with the nutritional support that they need. So check out the description for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list. And as I said, as soon as you sign up, I'll send you the the coupon to get the course for free. And if you do sign up, please let me know how you find it. If there's any other information you would like me to include or any other feedback, I would be very grateful if you could send me that. Thank you. Welcome to the Autism Wellbeing Plan, the podcast where you learn how to use advanced functional lab testing, healthy diet and smart supplementation to improve your child's health, well-being and quality of life, and by extension, your own quality of life. Please remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only and always consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing anything discussed here. Now, here's your host and author of the book, Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy. Christian Yordanov. In this episode, I thought I would tie together some of the things we've been discussing in the previous episode. So what you may find is there's a lot of information out there and in my book and in various other resources. And there's a lot of different moving parts to investigating and addressing your child's health challenges. So what I, you know, it can get confusing. It can get a little bit overwhelming. So I thought I would kind of step back a little bit and just take a a more overview kind of look at what do you actually do when and if your child is diagnosed with autism or you suspect that they may be on the spectrum, right? So what I will discuss here is a section, probably the the last section of my book from the last chapter. Uh, There is a three example protocol of the first three to six months, right? And so we will take a hypothetical scenario, which is actually very uh, typical, right, for many autistic children. And we will look at, you know, what the parents would do, how they would, you know, what tests they would run, what kind of supplements they would do, just to give you an, uh, basically a more coherent picture of, you know, so it's basically a, to give you a model that you can follow or modify to your needs, right? But this would be a very typical scenario that we're going over. So th- it would certainly apply to 
a large subset of autistic children, right? So here is the scenario we have. So, and of course, I'll just remind you, if you haven't got the book yet, let me know. I'm still giving away copies to all interested listeners. Um, it's, it's on Amazon. If you enjoy or find the information on the podcast valuable or interesting, the book is going to uh, exceed your expectations. There is just a, it's just jam packed full of useful information for you to genuinely, uh, investigate and address the potential health, hidden health challenges that your child may have. Right. So definitely, I, I believe probably the best resource out there for parents and, um, highly recommend that you at least get the free sample on Kindle just to, so you can look at the table of contents to see the many topics that I go into detail, right? So there's, as I said before, close to 500 scientific references in the back of the book. So there's a lot more you can do in terms of further investigation. Uh, there's the, the rabbit hole goes deep with this kind of stuff, as you probably know, it can get overwhelming. This is why I have you know, categorized and put it in a coherent manner. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, extraneous information in, in there's a lot of studies that won't have actual relevance when it comes to doing something about your, your child's health challenges and improving their health. So all that research, even though I've kind of, a lot of it I've, I've, I've had to read through to, to discern whether it's worth putting in the book or not. Um, I've just, I would, it would save you, months and months and months and many hours pouring over this research yourself. So I, I thought I would, um, you know, save you that time. And this is, this is actually a, a crucial point to kind of underscore is it can, you know, a lot of parents, they may spend months and months at the beginning uh, doing this research. So, what can happen is you can get yourself in a situation of analysis paralysis where you're you're researching, you're learning, but you're not doing. And the most important part is the doing. You want to hit the ground running as soon as possible so you can immediate, immediately start addressing, identifying and addressing your child's health challenges. The sooner you do that, the sooner you remove the obstacles to health, the sooner uh, growth and development can continue unimpeded, right? So what we know from the science is that these health challenges that autistic children experience, they impede optimal growth and development physically, cognitively, of the brain, of the gut, of just just as a human growing up. So heavy metals and, and uh, uh, yeast infections and bacteria and nutrient deficiencies and nutrient excesses and so on, all of these impede the optimal growth that we also want for our children, right? That, that's why you're listening to this podcast. So with that said, here is the hypothetical but very typical scenario we are going over. So here we have a four-year-old child with a self-limited diet, so eats very few foods, quite a picky eater, 
the diet is heavy in wheat and milk products, some sweets. Uh, generally, uh, the, the the child avoids uh, avoids meat and vegetables. Eats the occasional fruit, so like a banana or something like that. Uh, often constipated. Sleep is not the best. Occasional nighttime awakenings, drowsiness uh, in the morning. This kind of stuff, right? So fairly typical scenario. So. What do the parents do? The first thing the parents do is they decide to run the following tests. So the organic acids test, as I've spoken many times about that, the, the I, I personally recommend the one from the Great Plains Laboratory in the USA. I, I, I feel like it has the most markers and the most useful markers. And when you look at the, the price per marker, if you divide the price of the test by the amount of markers you get, which is about 76 at the moment, they keep adding, you know, more, but it works out at like three, $4 per marker, which is really good value, you know, just to get your cholesterol, uh, total cholesterol, it could cost you like five, six, seven, eight, uh, dollars or euros. So this is really good value. Uh, uh, and and you just get the, so much data on the various different things. So you get uh, bacterial and um, yeast markers, super important. You know, Clostridia bacteria, uh, Candida, very common in autistic children. You get several vitamin markers, so B12, B6. Um, you also get antioxidant marker so glutathione you can see if that's low there's other markers for oxalates so oxalates are a common issue in autistic children and there's uh, uh, neurotransmitters there is mitochondrial marker so just a ton of really really useful data right so so we run this test then that they also do the, in this in our hypothetical scenario here they also do the hair mineral analysis I, I did a, an episode on that a few episodes ago. So this one, the intent there is to get the heavy metals, see what the what heavy metals the child has been excreting over the, the past two, three months. Look at the copper-zinc balance and just the levels of the um, essential nutrient minerals, you know, things like calcium, magnesium, zinc, uh, chromium, selenium, for example. Now, in this instance, because the child's diet is very limited, the, it doesn't make too much sense to run a food sensitivities panel, right? What the family is better off doing in this case is either going for the gluten-free casein-free diet, which pretty much should be trialed on most autistic children, especially if they eat a lot of uh, gluten and casein or dairy products, and especially if they have gut dysfunction. And the the where a food sensitivities panel can become useful is later after you have introduced new foods and, and increased the variety of your child's diet. Then after several months, you might want to run a food sensitivities panel then in order to see if any of the newly introduced foods uh, are reactive in your child's body. So in this instance, we hold off on the food sensitivities uh, test for a while, again, because there's just so, so few foods in the diet. So it is likely 
that the child is reacting to the wheat and or the, the, the dairy products. So this would be alleviated by going gluten-free, dairy-free. So we don't really necessarily want to spend a couple hundred dollars on a test to tell us that. All right, so let us move forward about three to four weeks later. So we have now at this point received the organic acids results. Oh, I should, sorry, I should mention also that with the organic acids test and the hair mineral analysis, the the the, the parents also run some basic blood work. So things like iron, um, uh, you know, the complete metabolic panel, just your standard markers and several kind of more um, uh, important ones such as zinc, copper, uh, thyroid, and so on, right? I, I discuss in chapter six of my book what are the most important blood markers to run at the start and periodically are. So yeah, so fast forward three to four weeks later, we have the organic acids test and the hair mineral analysis results. And in the meantime, the parents have ordered the core five supplements that I discuss in chapter 10 of my book, right? So the core five supplements are probiotics, digestive enzymes, cod liver oil, multivitamin daily, and calcium and magnesium. And that is the order in which the parents start them one by one. So they start with the, pro because the child is constipated, they start with the probiotics. Next up, digestive enzymes to help with uh, processing the food better in the stomach. Then the cod liver oil, the, there is some evidence that uh, omega-3 fatty acids can help with gut um, healing or gut repair, as it were. Then the, multi, the, the multivitamin just to add more nutrition to the limited diet. And finally, the calcium and magnesium, right? Because if and when uh, they decide to do the gluten-free, casein-free diet, taking the dairy out, as I've talked about before, will remove the calcium, a lot of the calcium from the diet. And we know that kids need a lot of calcium, more than a gram a day, more than a thousand milligrams a day, which is a lot. And of course, calcium and mag uh, magnesium need to be, are best taken together at a ratio two to one, calcium to magnesium. Just magnesium is involved in so many body processes. Every cell in the body has magnesium. We know that not just autistic children, not just children in general, but just humans in general, diets are very low in this vital nutrient magnesium because we don't eat a lot of leafy greens uh which which are pretty much the best source of magnesium right now because in this particular hypothetical scenario the practitioner suggests using melatonin as a short term measure to support more restorative sleep so this is while things like gut dysfunction. So as I mentioned, the child is having some sleep issues here and there. And sleep is not great, which is again common. And what, what we know is actually that gut dysfunction could be a contributor in many people uh, to sleep problems, right? So the melatonin is, is a short-term measure just to help get more restorative sleep to support healing and, and repair of the body while we investigate the underlying contributors to poor sleep, which can be heavy metals, can be uh, 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 gut infections and, and other gut dysfunction, for example, right? Also, the melatonin uh, 
it has anti-inflammatory properties. It's also good for the gut, right? So this is actually little known fact, but melatonin is good for the gut. So this can add to contribute to the gut repair, right? That we, is so badly needed, right? And uh, as will be evidenced by the, the test results soon, right? Now, the parents also begin swapping in gluten-free products for the wheat-based ones that the child currently eats. So, you know, bread, biscuits, things like that. They start getting gluten-free products. Now, they also, at the same time, gradually begin reducing the milk products. Uh, so, as I discuss in chapter eight of my book, when improving the diet, when transitioning to an organic diet, which should be one of your top priorities at the start of your child's health building program, there are is the Environmental Working Group, EW, EWG.org. They have a couple of lists called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. So this, these are basically the Dirty Dozen is a list of foods that are the most sprayed, which means these are the foods you want to immediately start buying organic because you would you would be uh, doing your child a great service by reducing the, the added chemicals that these foods would normally bring into the diet. Unfortunately, the Dirty Dozen list includes very foods that we commonly eat, you know, things like um, nectarines, tomatoes, uh, cherries, uh, grapes, just like uh, I think six, six, seven, eight of those foods are super, super common foods that we eat, right? So um, it, it's really important that you understand what these foods are and, and immediately swap in organic ones for them uh, in your child's diet, right? Then the clean 15 are the least sprayed foods. Now here, there's a few foods here, for example, mushrooms and onions. So these are the least sprayed foods, which means you could continue buying those non-organic for the time being while you're still making the transition to an organic diet. And it's just good to have these lists. They're, they're updated yearly by the EWG. It's good to know what the dirty dozen are and to stay the heck away from them if they're not organic. And the clean 15 that you could hypothetically uh, buy non-organic if they're not available or if you're not re ready, you're not yet ready to make the switch to fully organic food. Now, um, ideally, your child immediately, as soon as you know they're, uh, you know, they're diagnosed or even when you suspect or even if you just want to, to have your child be as healthy as possible, they should only be eating organic foods, full stop, end of story. This is just how important this is you know there is no ifs no buts right and in more in cases if your child is has a lot of health problems that because here's the thing a lot of these health problems i talk about in my book and on the podcast they're often hidden but if your child has health problems that they're visible to you already like allergies immune dysfunction sleep problems visible gut dysfunction even more so you need to get that diet organic immediately right Super important. I cannot stress strongly enough how important this is, right? So in this case, in our hypothetical scenario, the parents start buying their tomatoes, potatoes, and apples organic because these are on the dirty dozen list. So or tomatoes, potatoes, and apples, common foods we eat, are some of the most sprayed foods that we eat as well, 
if they're not organic. So super, super important to understand the the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, EWG.org. They just have a lot of really good resources on uh, uh, how to buy sunscreen, how to avoid these super toxic sunscreens, how to buy better uh, processed foods, you know, which are the least detrimental processed foods, which shampoos and soaps and so on are the least detrimental, right? And which which are the ones to stay away from, right? Super um, uh, useful resource for you out there for free. So please do yourself a favor. If, you've, if you're not yet familiar with the EWG's website, go check it out at ewg.org. Now, what other steps does this hypothetical family take in this scenario? So they order an inexpensive faucet filter to improve the water quality for the whole family. So faucet filter, I think, actually, if you're, if you're watching the video, I have a box here. So this is the one I have on our tap. It, I got it on Amazon. Um, you just screw it on the, on the tap and on the faucet. I think it was like $40, maybe even less. I can't remember. The filters were also super cheap and a filter lasts like three months, right? So you, you put the, the, you put that on the faucet to immediately reduce. Let me see what, what it says on the package here. So removes 99% of lead, removes 96% of mercury and 92% of certain pesticides, reduces chlorine, improves taste and odor of the water. And then there's a bunch of other things like certain microbial cysts, industrial pollutants, carbon tetrachloride that can cause liver problems, increased cancer risk, um, other chlorination byproducts, uh, just uh, 2,4-D, which is like a, a, a really toxic um uh, herbicide, certain sediments, right? Certain pharmaceuticals. So just really cheap and easy way to, to just improve, to, or to reduce the toxins coming in from the water supply. Now, would I only use that? Probably not. What we do is we, are, we also have a Brita jug. So we pour, we double filter the water, right? And ideally, you know, you, you would want like a, a to spend one, two thousand euros or dollars, whatever, on a whole house filtration system or something a little bit better. But this is like a, you know, kind of like the next best thing. It's close, it's super inexpensive, and it just, it, it, it's things like this that can really make a difference in, in our health long term, right? For the whole family as well. So that's, that's what um, I would recommend all families to do. Doesn't matter if, if anyone, there has any health problems or not they could be perfectly healthy but if they're not filtering their tap water that's just going to be detrimental long term right now the next thing the next thing this family does in our hypothetical scenario and something you could do is immediately replace soaps for safer safer alternatives from the health store so these antimicrobial soaps and all these um uh fabric softeners and washing powders uh it's okay to you know finish the current package you're using but the next one that you buy don't go to the department store the supermarket and buy that toxic stuff again 
go to like a health store, do a little bit of research and get like an organic based uh, product more, that uses more natural, especially so. So this is super important for the, your washing powder, your fabric softener, the soaps, any other kind of uh, soap or liquid that you use to bathe your child and just the cleaning products for the floor, the toilet, you know, the, the bath, the, the, the bathroom around the kitchen, um, dishwasher tablets as well, right? So these are the most important things that, you know, uh, if you can afford it, just throw them out and buy new ones. I would totally recommend that. And if you can't afford it, many families, uh, people are on a budget, you know, this is, this is a fact of life. Most of us are on a budget. In that case, just finish your existing ones and just switch to better ones. They're, they're slightly more expensive that that's true, but, um, it's, it's an investment. It's not an expense. It's an investment in your whole family's health. Right. And then the other thing we do in this hypothetical scenario, so the family start, remember the child has got, um, has uh, sleep issues. So, what the family start doing is start dimming the lights as sleep time approaches. So reducing uh, uh, the light an hour, at least an hour, but hopefully two to three hours prior to bedtime is a very important thing to do. Also turning off all screens at least one hour, ideally two or more before bed, is super important in order to reduce that source of blue light that suppresses melatonin production that can cause us sleep problems, right? So these are these are the kind of the extra actions the family takes, right? So now we look at the test results. So the blood test results arrive within the first week of testing. And we know that now looking at the, 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 the findings, the most important findings are zinc is trending towards the bottom of the reference range. Copper is close to the top of the range. This would be very, very common. You, you would very likely see that in many autistic children. Vitamin D is on the low side, not deficient, but definitely low. And then a marker called homocysteine is slightly elevated. This is like an inflammatory marker. And then, as I mentioned, three, four weeks uh, after taking the sample, sending them off to the labs, we get the organic acids test and the hair mineral analysis results. Right, so it's been a month. The, the family has already made some, got the, those uh, core five supplements, made some dietary changes, made some tweaks around the house to reduce toxic exposures, uh, uh, worked on the sleep hygiene a little bit. Right, so we've done, a, we've made a lot of progress already, despite the fact that we haven't even got the uh, organic acids test and hair t- uh, test results. Now, the organic acids test shows candida overgrowth. Yeast, Clostridium difficile presence, elevated oxalates, and a low normal B6 level. So it's very, very, very unlikely if you run the organic acids test, you will not find some type of healing opportunity or something to improve in your child's metabolism and body. So in this case, the that's what the organic acids sh- shows us you're very likely to to see something uh, just to kind of reiterate how the value of this test right then the hair mineral analysis indicates elevated copper low zinc low magnesium low selenium and moderate aluminium and mercury levels fairly common finding again so high copper depressed zinc low magnesium selenium very very commonly low in autistic children so 
what we do now that we have these lab tests, there there's some additions to the, the to the protocol that the, the family are currently using. So the sequence of supplements become the following, right? So this is about, like I said, let's say a month into it. At this point, they add zinc. Then, and this is like one by one, one at a time kind of thing. Then after the zinc, they add, so the zinc will help to correct the zinc, uh, the, the low zinc and the high copper. This is, you know, it's also good for the immune function, for brain development, many, many, many things, right? So zinc is next. Then vitamin B6, it can also help with correcting the zinc-copper imbalance. Methylfolate and B12, so they get this in an, uh, in a liquid form, so B6, methylfolate, and B12 complex. Liquid form, very nice tasting, easy to kind of give to the child. Then they add trimethylglycine powder. And then uh, a little note here in my, this is if you were reading the book, even though the vitamin D was kind of low on the blood tests, the practitioner doesn't recommend adding extra vitamin D for now because the multivitamin would have some and so does the cod liver oil, right? So the blood test will be run every three to six months and then we can reevaluate on the next blood test should we add more vitamin D. In some cases, it's definitely a good idea. Now, the other protocol additions to the supplement protocol would be biocidin, which is the, I've talked about it before. It's basically a liquid, nice tasting herbal mixture that can support um, pathogen eradication. So yeast, bacteria, parasites. It also has these herbs in there, things like garlic, um, oregano oil, uh, echinacea, things like that. There, there's just a lot of goodness in those herbs not just in terms of you know getting rid of bad bugs but they have anti-inflammatory antioxidant properties so just the the family does one drop per 5 kilograms of body weight so in this case this child you know about 4 years old would be say about 17 to 20 kilograms so about uh you know they start with one drop and then gradually increase to about four maybe five drops over the 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 space of a couple of weeks they also add Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a probiotic yeast, which can help with uh, with uh, yeast overgrowth, um, Clostridia bacteria. So it's just really good to have in a protocol. They also add extra selenium to bring up those selenium levels. Also, selenium is good for, like, for things like uh, toxic metals. So just really good to have this nutrient in the protocol. Now, because the organic acids test shows elevation in oxalates, which is common when, when candida are high on the organic acids test, uh, the parents begin reducing foods that are high in oxalates slowly and replace them with lower oxalate substitutes. These would include things like, uh, so the wheat probably in this case, because the child doesn't eat many foods. So the, the dietary um, oxalate uh, is most likely coming from wheat-based products. In other cases, it could be things like carrots, uh, spinach, sweet potatoes, chocolate. So there's basically, if your child is uh, has high oxalates, you just get a, the list of foods that are highest in oxalates, see which of them are in your child's diet and begin to gradually reduce them by 5 to 10% per week. Now, the in this 
uh, just continuing our uh, hypothetical scenario here, other supplements that the practitioner recommends for general support, so carnitine to support mitochondrial function, taurine in the evening has many beneficial properties. Uh, uh, I won't go into it now. And then a small amount of glycine and N-acetocysteine to support glutathione production, to, so to support and the antioxidant and the to detoxification pathways in the body. Won't really go into that much now, but just to give you again, so the, the intention of this episode is just to give you what is the kind of a standard protocol, what is the progression, what is the sequence, how does that look, just to, so you can, again, build a picture of this, so you could model this for your own kind of um, purposes. And then just to wrap up the retest, when, when to retest. So about three, four months later, the parents have the option to retest with the organic acids test, or they also have the option to run a stool pathogen screening. There's benefits to both. Um, in this case, they don't have insurance cover, which means they have to pay out of pocket for the organic acids test. So they decide to wait another couple of months for the organic acids test, just to kind of preserve uh, some cash. In the meantime, they have managed to get a free stool pathogen screening from their local clinic. So they run that uh, in order to kind of look at, uh, so the organic acids test looks at Clostridia bacteria and yeast, candida, stuff like that. So a, a more specialized stool test, you can look at things like parasites, specific uh, species of bacteria and strains of bacteria. Um, so there's definitely value, especially if it's like a good quality test, right? Then after about three, four months, the family, they also run another hair test just to kind of monitor the copper levels, see how the toxic metals um, are being excreted. And generally what they would normally notice, so in this hypothetical scenario, which is a common scenario, is the copper is elevated even more because of the added zinc and B6. So there's more copper excretion in the body. And then because of the, the addition of all these nutrients and the, the, child's, get, uh, the child's health uh, improving in many ways, uh, there's an increase of mercury and aluminum or, on the hair test, meaning that the child is excreting more of these compounds, you know, because of the zinc, because of the taurine, because of the glycine, the N-acetocysteine and so on, right? So, so, so here's, so th this was basically a look at, I know it was a little bit, I was going a bit fast, but, uh, you know, there's there's always a, so many kind of moving parts and and things to cover on a protocol. Um, I do cover this in the book in in more detail. Definitely check it out if you um, you know if you're interested in kind of getting into the more nitty gritty details. There's plenty of information there for you. But so this is kind of like what the first three four months would look like for a family that are you know actively, they understand the benefit of why we are doing all of this. They're working with a practitioner that can guide them. And they they really want to see their child's health improve as quickly as possible, right? What I would say is th this is the, the cadence or the velocity or the speed, uh, the optimal speed at which you could go. Unfortunately, many families, they, they just 
it, there's so much information to absorb and so much kind of different competing um, things to research and so on that they don't um, follow this protocol this quickly. This would be kind of like an ideal scenario. So if if you are you know aware of of this information of this podcast of my book. Um, if you are kind of on the fence, should you run this test? Should you run that test? I would recommend kind of just read this. Uh, in, it's in chapter 12, kind of near the end of the book. Read this example protocol and sequence. And if you can model this, this would be the most optimal thing to do for your child, right? Because and um, uh, m- many doctors and researchers have stated this, right? If you start before the age of four, you can get the most progress, right? And every month, your base, the, the opportunities are slowly slipping away, right? So what you want to do is move as quickly as possible, get these tests as quickly as possible, get the supplements, change the diet, improve the diet, reduce the toxic exposures as quickly as possible because kids develop super fast, right? You know, three months of development when you're three or four years old is a huge amount of development. And if you can remove as many impediments to that development as you can at any age, you're just going to accelerate your child's development physically, cognitively, whatever way you can think of, right? So this is why I have to stress the importance of of moving fast. Here, this is really... This game is all about moving fast. There, There is no time for second guessing. You know, you can always, like, you can order a test. You can run a test. You can always do nothing. You know, it, you, you, but having the data is super important, right? So get the data as quickly as possible. Uh, it, it, You know, the test might come back, everything negative and everything is great. That's great. That just means there's more kind of things to investigate. But having the data is always going to be better than not having the data, right? And having a practitioner to kind of guide you uh, is super important. So if you're not working with one, definitely, you know, you need to be, you know, this is kind of the advice I would give you. So I think I could go on forever, but um, I'm going to wrap this one up here. Hopefully, again, this gave you a more clear picture of how a good optimal, I don't want to say optimal protocol because in this, in this particular instance, we would have added, you know, more, more, uh, more tests, more supplements. But again, we have to work with real world uh, humans and scenarios and budgets and, uh, uh, you know, um, difficulties in, in, in terms of kind of getting the time to do this research and so on and so forth. So this is kind of like something that I would aim for as a really good way to go about identifying and addressing an autistic child's uh, health issues that are most likely to be present, right? And uh, what, what we what what to do with the diet, what to do with the supplements, and 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 how to clean up the home and, and improve the sleep hygiene, right? So so we'll leave it there. I hope that you got something out of this episode, and I thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Thank you for listening. Please help us to spread this vital information by rating the podcast on iTunes and sharing it with others who may find the information useful. For further content and resources, go to christianjordanoff.com. 
Don't forget to pick up your copy of the book Autism Wellbeing Plan today, available on Amazon.